Office Hours Live is brought to you by Arroya, the ultimate cultivation platform. Unlock the power of crop steering through our state-of-the-art sensors and software. Repeat successful runs and scale faster than ever before. Schedule a demo today at arroya.io. All right, folks, going to get us started here. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Arroya Office Hours Live. This is a chance for all of you, whether you're Arroya customers, Arroya curious, or just super into growing and existing in this exciting industry to share your stories and get all your burning cultivation questions answered. Each week, we'll spend an hour sharing our findings, walking you through some interesting features, and having a lively conversation about what you're doing, what you want to know, and even help you share your own stories and connect with other people who are passionate about this plant and its potential. My name is Keisha. I'll be your moderator for today's discussion, which is about compliance. If you have any questions for us, please feel free to submit those in the chat at any time, and we'll do our best to answer them during the broadcast. Uh, we'll also be addressing numerous questions that our Instagram community submitted. So uh, we're going to get started. Scott and Jason, over to you. Thanks, Keisha. And it's great to be back um, at Office Hours and talking about something I just love, which is following the rules. Following the rules. So um, that's what compliance is about. And uh, as difficult as that can be, um, I've thought about that. It's a kind of a strange position to be in is that growth and uh, success in the cannabis industry is at least on the white market side, predicated on following the rules when really the history of the industry is about not following the rules. Um, so uh, compliance and compliance is a huge issue and something that we've uh, talked about for a really long time. And um, I just want to say one thing, though, is you shouldn't be upset or frustrated about compliance as it relates to Arroyo and the things you can do with it, because everything we do in the compliance side comes with a silver lining in terms of the harvest groups. And that might sound like a weird thing to say, but, um, but uh, yeah, what are, what are your thoughts on that, Jason? What's, what's the silver lining in your opinion? I've got kind of two silver linings. I mean, as, per, as far as Arroyo goes, a lot of traditional metric integrations, a lot of compliance systems, what has to be done is, you know, you're organizing your plants um, by type, by uh, birth date by maybe stage and what uh what Arroyo has spent a lot of energy in doing is trying to get those into groups get those into the harvest group so that it, the, the plant processes for submitting to compliance actually follow the growth of the plant right so rather than going in and, and selecting um plants by you know a specific birth date and making sure that those get transitioned or those get harvested etc uh, the Arroyo system encourages uh, consumers to populate their harvest groups with those plants, and and then you know simply by clicking once through throughout that harvest group, uh, we can advance the stages, which submit the required compliance information, right? Uh, and so that's obviously a nice way to offload some of the energy from the compliance manager, mm -hmm. and. It really encourages cultivators to be part of that tracking process. Another way that we can reduce the energy going into the compliance manager is uh, we have basically a, a staging box, right? So as those cultivators are doing the advancement or the submission of uh, sync events, it goes into what we have is called a, a compliance inbox. And that compliance inbox is a catch-all that compliance managers can keep an eye on one facility, multiple people doing those compliance events, or even multiple facilities to 
make sure that the events are, are, are correct and that that information is what it should be before it gets submitted to the metric database. Yep, yep, and that's kind of gets at this point, maybe compliance isn't super fun, um, but there are some reasons to be happy about it. And as you mentioned, once you set up those harvest groups, not only is that a good way to keep track of everything that's going on in your cultivation, but all that data can be synced to compliance systems. And in this case, we only mean metric um, at this point because um, part of the funness of having an industry um, legalize state by state instead of doing it federal is every state's going to do it differently. And uh, the most common system right now is metric. So that's what we have. We don't have any other integrations available in Arroyo right now. Um, but the, the metric integration allows for everything that you're doing on the cultivation side in terms of, hey, here are the, uh, the uh, clones. And we'll talk specific about clones taken off a mother plant versus clones you buy. Um, so where did those plants come from? Uh, taking them into uh, propagation, veg, uh, flower, and then harvest, and then tracking what happens after harvest. All that stuff can be synced into metric using that compliance inbox that you're talking about. And the great thing about that is if we do things in that way, then that sets us up for being able to do the analytics on the backside. So not just the compliance stuff, but then looking at which cultivars are uh, producing the best and are we making progress on the productivity of each cultivar? And, you know, what are our totals over a given period of time? And overall, for our facility, what are our average grams per square foot um, per year? Those are all things that are made possible by setting up the, the harvest group. So, so I totally agree that that's the, uh, that, that's the focus there. Um, so let's, um, sorry, did I? Yeah, I was, I was just, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about my experience when I uh, was managing some of the compliance uh, at a local facility here, and it took me a little bit of time. Um, but what I wanted to really emphasize with people is that an adjustment of attitude towards compliance can really um, be beneficial for the company. So if we look at traditional industries, there's a lot of inventory control checkpoints that actually share very similar requirements to what <laughs> compliance does. Yeah. And uh, and what I, I really came to realize was I, rather than looking at this as, uh, you know, a, a requirement, a hassle, a sunk cost, I began to uh, take take advantage of the business intelligent aspects that were happening. Yeah. And a lot of this stuff, uh, for me, it was really nice because it were things that uh, our company may, may, not, may or may not have invested in to do unless it was required. Yeah. And, and so then I started looking at this data, um, including historical data, and saying, hey, we've got access to a plethora of those inventory control checkpoints. Now we can start making sure that, uh, you know, along the way we're not losing insights. Yeah. Uh, and so rather than necessarily saying, hey, this is a requirement, this is a burden, uh, I kind of took the other aspect and said, how much value can we drive because we're doing this anyways? Yeah. Yeah, I love how you mentioned that. And there's actually, you know, if we had to say like, what does Enron have to do with the cannabis industry? Well, probably nothing. But um, when Enron happened in the U.S., then all the lawmakers um, got upset that these companies were um, cheating their investors out of money. And they made all these new rules called Sarbanes-Oxley. And they forced all the public companies in the U.S. to, to implement all these, all these new controls over everything that they were doing. 
And initially, it just cost companies a ton of money. And, and the ones that were implementing the controls just to get by, um, it, it did just cost them a bunch of money. But there were some companies that were out front and it's like, hey, how could we use these rules, figure out where our waste is, uh, figure out how we can get better now that we have all this data coming in. And that's just like what you were talking about. It's like, yeah, we have to do the compliance stuff, but uh, almost all businesses have to track inventory accurately. You know, if you're in retail or you're a manufacturer like we are or whoever, you have to track your inventory. And this is just one way to do it. It makes sure everything gets done when it needs to get done. It submits all the data to your regulatory um, body so that they're happy with what you're doing. And you can use it for improving your performance, which I think is, is exactly the right perspective to take. So um, this might be a little dicey, but we're going to dive in a little bit with some screen sharing, talk about what compliance is, where compliance is, if found in Arroyo. And I do want to say, again, I mentioned already, if you're in a non-metric state, um, this isn't really how it works uh, for, for, uh, for you right now. And we already have a question, I think, Keisha, on uh, metric isn't available in my state. How can Arroyo help us with compliance? Um, and so let me just talk to that one first as a, as a baseline. And, and the answer is that it can't um, help much yet. It will allow you to, um, to create plants and to track those plants and keep track of your inventories in the system. We're working on what we call non-metric compliance in Arroyo, which will allow you to um, uh, essentially kick out uh, CSV reports that they can be synced to tools like you know, whatever, Biotrack, THC, or, or um, what are some other ones? Leaf uh, is one that we hear sometimes. Um, help me out here. Uh, MJ Freeway. MJ, uh, MJ Freeway and Link, uh, Leaf, I think, are linked okay. at, some, at some level. Um, but yeah, th there's, there's a few compliance systems. And then Washington State has its own crazy, weird, self-made system that apparently, I, I uh, don't want to get any trouble. I heard it's kind of a mess. Um, and they've gone from from place to place. So uh, we are working on tools that will allow these workflows to use for you to use them in non-metric states. It's not ready yet, uh, but we will. Uh, we are working on that, and we will um, make be making it available. So that's the answer to the first question. So um, uh, if you do not have metric running on Arroyo, Arroyo looks different than if you have metric running. So that's the first thing to be aware of. Um, and if you don't have metric running, I believe you don't even see, let's see, we got, no, I don't know, how can I, how do I switch this, Chris? Why don't you try logging into the menu? Oh, maybe, Jason, do you want to do it instead? Sure. Okay. You bet. Uh, yeah, Jason's just going to share his screen. All right, so what uh, I think Scott was mentioning is uh, our compliance inbox. It looks like a metric shield right here. And for those of you without the, the metric enabled, uh, that's not going to appear yeah. in your okay. menu options on the left. Yep. Yeah, so you won't even see that shield. Um, let's just start out at the beginning and, and, um, and uh, show people how to create a, a harvest group from, um, you know, from either cutting from other plants or... Maybe you took in some clones. Um, how would that work? Absolutely. So it's very similar to uh, the non-metric enabled Arroyo product, but it's going to ask for a little bit more information, specifically talking about the serial numbers of the plants that you're, you're looking to build into this harvest group. So as typical, we're going to jump into create new harvest group, create new group. I'm going to zoom in a little bit so you all can see this better. 
let's go into create new group. Um, if you've got existing harvest groups uh, being ready to build, they're going to be listed up above. We're going to start with a new one. And this uh, is going to go through a three-step process to get the information needed to outline this harvest group. First question is talking about the started on date, right? So a uh, great process is to start these when you're ready and or uh, prepare harvest groups before you're actually up to um, getting those clones in and, and starting that harvest group. So that's a good way you can do a little bit of production planning using these harvest groups. That grow recipe, uh, we don't necessarily have to, to have an inputted recipe. If you've got an existing recipe that you want to use that outlines your tasks, uh, the different phase durations, light cycles, target ranges, and alerts, uh, you're welcome to do that. It's going to ask about the, the life cycle of this plant. And so we're going to just start off in the, the propagation phase. We're going to say it's going into veg one room after that. Uh, we'll just select flower one and then cure room. We'll call it cure one. So we're starting this harvest group for today. Those plants are going to be in propagation. And it's going to be looking for the sources of those plants. When we start the harvest group into propagation, um, the system knows that, hey, you need to build cuttings and submit those cuttings as a metric event. So if on the left side, we'll notice that uh, it's talking about mother plants, right? So these are the plants that are flagged in the system as clone producing plants. And you've got a couple ways to do this. You can obviously just uh, scan your plant up here, your mother plant, which is probably the most accurate, fastest way to get the exact um, serial number, the UUID of that plant. If we type in some digits, let's say 566, it's just going to select the plants that uh, contain those digits, right? Um, and we could go, with, let's say, 557 or 567. That's the next plant in the list. So we're going to take some cuts on this ice cream, cream sherbet, or we recently did in that day. And it's going to ask, what is the, the UID of the plant lot that you want to create? Okay, so this is a clone lot. Um, it can, it's a group of plants under one serial number in metric system. Same thing again, we can simply scan the tag that we're going to apply to that, uh, that plant lot, or we can filter down through the list, type in the last few numbers. So we're going to do 728. You can see it there. That's the tag we're using. It's going to ask how many clones are in this lot. Um, if you're taking multiple clone lots off this single plant, you can do that as well. You can take multiple clone lots off of multiple plants, different types of cultivars, and have that all into your one harvest group. So we're going to take, uh, you know, maybe five of these. We'll just do small lots. Let's also say we're going to put some banana OG in this room, and we're going to do uh, 10 of these banana OGs. Excuse me, I need to select the UID here. So this is going to be that ending in 4730, and we're going to do 10 of those banana OGs. We'll record that. We've got a pretty simple lot here. Over on the right side, this is the group content. So this is outlining what plant lots are going to be submitted to that compliance inbox as a compliance event. The last step uh, is very similar to uh, anything that is in the, the non-metric workflow, and this is outlining what zones that, uh, that these plants are in. This is a really important step because this is what's tying your root zone data, those sensors that are assigned to a zone, to the actual cultivar or strain type itself, right? So if I'm trying to track um, the performance of banana OG, I want the data from that root zone to attribute performance OG. It, it's basically a metadata point of uh, this harvest cycle. Yeah, and I, look, I love this part right here because you can see the banana OG and ice cream sherbet, they're running in the same harvest group. They're going to be living in the same room. 
They would share the same atmospheric data. If the room's small enough, it only has one uh, temp RH um, and uh, you know VPD uh, readings coming in for that room. So they share that. But then if you put the zones that those are in, the specific tables that the banana OG and the ice cream sherbet are on, um, have that substrate data separately uh, within the system, that allows you to do cultivar-specific data sets, um, but run this harvest group as, yeah, I'm running these plants all together in one room. We're going to go review and finish. It's going to say all set up. We've got these 15 plants started on today. We'll say finish. And then it's just going to ask about that, that recipe. So this is the template for this harvest group. Uh, like I said, we can use an existing recipe if we have one in the system. Uh, I think you have one now. Let's check that out. See, I just made it. Uh, You're on top demo. of it. Perfect. So we're going to use this demo. It's actually a terrible recipe. It's it, kind of it, <laughs> propagation and veg and flour each is just one day. So uh, it's good from a productivity perspective. You know, you get a lot of harvests in a year, but uh, not a whole lot of product. Awesome. Well, if we can figure out how to grow full plants in that time frame, exactly. I think yeah, we'll uh, be on top of the industry. That's, that's a, like a little R&D challenge for you there, Jason. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, and this uh, screen, we can also obviously set up those light schedules, target ranges and alerts, add tasks. Uh, I think we've gone over that in our, our recipes uh, creations in previous videos. So yep. check that out on, on the YouTube channel and uh, you can dive into that information. So we're going to say save schedule. It'll give us a little confirmation down in the bottom that says that uh, this was saved. And now if we jump into our compliance inbox, we'll notice that we've got 15 cuttings created one minute ago by Jason Van Leeuwen. And we can also look at the specifics of that. So in this dropdown, we've got the details of the mother plant. Um, those lots were created from, including the, the UID, um, where they're located. And if they're an existing harvest group or not right now. So I know some of our clients do uh, actually end up taking their clone cuttings from uh, production plants that yeah. are in the veg stage. Yeah. Um, a nice way to re reduce your needs for, for a mother room. Um, but there's a lot of people that do take those from a mother room. So that's just a nice way to, to keep an idea of what uh, what those clones came from. And then the, the lower two Line items here are the specific clone lots themselves. If we click on that, we'll get a little bit more information. We can edit the count. Maybe we actually took 15 banana OG rather than 10. It was just recorded wrong. Or, or, and this is where your compliance manager can basically do some pre-submission auditing for compliance purposes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that one um, workflow you just mentioned, taking cuttings from plants in veg, um, you know, that is a good example of the work that we do behind the scenes to make sure that metric works because it's actually a very specific thing that you have to do in metric to be able to do that. And um, I think there's a the creation of some type of batch or some type of package. It's like you have to create a plant package or, or metric won't recognize it. We didn't realize that before we had the system working. Now that we have customers that are using it, we're, we've, we're finding these uh, issues with, with metric that we're able to eliminate by just making sure that every time a customer tries to do something, it happens exactly how they want it to happen in metric. So um, big shout out to our uh, dev team and the work that they've done to make all that stuff work. So you can accept the clones from, you know, buying them from a nursery on a particular um, manifest that gets transferred to you in metric. So then you just accept the tags. 
You can take cuttings off of mother plants, um, as Jason showed with planting, uh, scanning the plant tags, or you can take those cuttings off of plants in veg. All those workflows are uh, supported in the system. And uh, another thing that we've kind of spent a lot of energy in uh, making this as clean as possible to help you process each of these events. And we'll notice up here it says uh, my, my sink button's grayed out and it says plant waste recorded two hours ago. What this is basically doing is saying there's dependencies that need to be resolved before we can submit this. Mm-hmm. And when we do one-off actions, say, directly in metric itself or, or certain um, compliance integration softwares, uh, you know, maybe you've destroyed a plant or, or you didn't submit that, that waste. And you can kind of basically break the ability to submit something if, uh, if you do it in the wrong order, right? So mm-hmm. let's say I would have accidentally destroyed one of these mothers or I didn't record these cuttings until I destroyed that mother. This, uh, this dependency hold is basically saying, hey, we don't think you necessarily meant to do something in that order. And this is going to say, allow you to actually do that, right? So if we would have uh, destroyed that mother and then tried to record the clone cuttings, it would have aired out metric. It wouldn't let you do that. So this is our basically our prevention to um, make these things work and notify you of any other submissions that need to be resolved before the next one can uh, can get pushed to their database. Yeah. And we'll just make a blanket statement that, um, you know, we'll see if metric ever watches this video uh, to, to call us out on this, but we don't find metric to be super easy to use. And in fact, um, you know, the customer for metric is the states. It's not the cannabis growers. Um, and, you know, the more states they can get to sign on, the more successful they are as a company. And it totally makes sense. Um, but integrating metric in and being a, uh, a verified, authorized third-party developer on metric, which we are, allows us to put um, user interface pieces together that make your life easier, like preventing you from syncing something to metrics that's going to cause a problem with metrics system, um, like Jason's mentioning. And, and we, do, we do spend time trying to make our customers' lives easier because we see the, the um, cultivators as our customers, not the states. So um, let's talk about a harvest, uh, Jason. So um, let's, uh, let's go and try and harvest four plants. We have a little, uh, a little demo set up, um, which is this ice cream sherbet uh, harvest group. Yeah, and I'm just going to fill in a little bit of instruction before we are ready to harvest those plants. Uh, if we notice over here in this harvest group uh, page, this production page, we have these action items. And these action items are basically going to be the events that submit metrics um, information or submit that information to our inbox so it can be reviewed before submission. Yep. And we're going to see action items like um, veg to flower flow. And that would be the type of action that gives you a nice interface to step-by-step step talk about what UIDs those plant lots turned into and uh, also allows you to control whether this harvest group is on schedule or not. So if you're a day late, you can delay that type of event. Um, when it's ready, you click that button, and it's going to uh, allow you to have that in your compliance inbox to sync. So, so like I said, that's a great way for compliance managers to oversee a lot more actions that are going on because uh, it's very likely their cultivators are the ones that are in here watching um, the stages of these plants, making sure that they are on their production schedule and uh, 
and then they can delay that if it's going to be you know a day or two behind, for example, or they can advance it if it happens previous to that. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, it, once those plants are in the flower, they've gone through their cycle, then we'll be at this harvest plants option. This oh, harvest. Sorry, and Jason, one thing I, I will say here is in California, typically when uh, plants um, are in propagation and veg, so non-mature plants, you may have already said this, but, um, you know, they only have one tag per up to 100 plants, and there is a point at which they're going to get tagged every single plant as mature plants within uh, the system, and that's just a workflow within Arroyo as well of taking those plants essentially from uh, from veg into flower and then giving them all tags, um, as is uh, the workflow of just um, uh accepting tags that you're shipped from that you get shipped from metric and then adding in them into your system that, so you can use them all those things are just um steps that you can do in the system yeah exactly and this harvesting is probably one of my most exciting parts of this workflow because uh, as you'll see behind me we've got our uh, real bluetooth scales uh, so this is a, a modified ohouse ranger 3000 scale and we've got our, our Arroyo scale carts. So this uh, is designed to really advance the speed at which uh, clients can harvest their plants. We'll notice that we've got a little hook down here. Uh, California does, in, in most counties, require that plants be weighed individually and that weight be recorded to the UID of the plant. And so this is uh, going to be a, a quick, quick way to get those weights individualized and entered into the system to get that uh, that UID into the system, we've got a couple of options. Scott's got uh, an RFID scanner in here. So all those metric tags that are supplied to cultivators in the state of California are RFID compatible. They should have the UID programmed into that RFID. And UID is unique identifier code. RFID is radio frequency identification. So that can be... You need to plug it in. Scanned. Yeah, try and try and plug that in and see if it works. And okay. Got some so, tags. I think, okay, yes, actually do uh try and try and scan that see and let's see if it works here. Should have Yeah, see? Perfect. Yeah, picked it up. So what I usually recommend is clients uh fasten this bad boy somewhere near their scale cart. You know, you can do it on the list here. You can do it, um, I like it right up here. So when you've got your plant ready to, to hang, we go in here, scan it on the RFID, and then we hang the plant. I think you need to add the scale first. Oh, yeah. We'll need Should to add the scale first. Should I take it off? Sure. add the scale? Okay. Yeah. So let's go in here. You'll notice uh, got got a Bluetooth scale option on the screen here. Uh, it's going to be listed. There's a little pop-up when you click that. It's going to list it as a H510. Uh, that's the serial number of this scale itself. I can uh, can select that device. And then we'll say the pair option. And this will get uh, get our scale to talk to the PC. And one of the nice things that we've recently re- released as well is multiple um, PCs, multiple scales, multiple users being logged in can do this uh, at the same time, right? So if my four plants probably aren't going to take that long to harvest, but I've got clients that are at, you know, 1,500 plants a room, and they will run three weighing stations in parallel. So right now, Aurora supports that by everyone being logged into this harvest group, 
and weighing uh, plants. So scanning and weighing those plants on three different scale RFID um, sessions. So effectively, you know, you could be going three times as fast, five times as fast, whatever works best for uh, for your system. So uh, now that we've got this connected, we'll see that we you know we scan that RFID. We've got this nine four two plant, and we are going to throw it on our scale. We ship with these scales out pre-programmed to print on stabilization. So what that means is the scale knows when that weight has stabilized and it's going to push that information right into Arroyo. And we'll notice uh, that just happened. So just seconds after that plant was hung up on the scale, that, uh, that 0.3 pounds of ice cream sherbet was pushed into the Arroyo system. And uh, we're going to keep going with our harvest group here. Yeah, so... You would just, as uh, Jason said, going up there, got the plant. It's uh, pulling the weight from the scale, and there it is. And really nice thing about that is we never touch the PC, so we can stay focused on our harvest process. Uh, we're obviously not going to get uh, resin and residual on, on our PCs. Uh, I also do usually recommend people kind of have this display in a spot that they can see just so that they, you know, they verify it. And um, I don't know if you can hear it on the camera, but we've got uh, kind of a, a beep boop action that's verifying when the plant gets scanned and when uh, that weight gets pushed through. So we'll finish this up and then we'll notice up in the top right, we've got our review and finish button, which, uh, which will become available after all the plants in this harvest group have been weighed. So we notice that review and finish is up there. We've got uh, a few options here in this review and choose room. Um, basically, this is saying, hey, tell Arroyo where you're going to put those plants so that we can appropriately build a, a sink event to go into metric. Uh, if you do need to modify this, say, uh, you know, you had a, a weight come through uh, a little bit off or, or you just need to, to destroy a plant, any of that type of stuff, this is a great time to simply click on it. We're going to notice, hey, it's got that editing option under this plant. Um, and you can modify it. We could even select and say, hey, this plant is going to fresh frozen, right? So it's going to be not going directly into uh, a cure room or a dry room. It's going to be shipped out. So we need a package tag to be sold. And so we'll notice when I clicked on fresh frozen there, uh, it's going to ask for that package ID and we can select that. I'm just going to keep these all as, as wet flowers so that we can uh, see how this works out. Uh, it's going to give us congratulations, tell us the, the total yield of this harvest group, how many that we did, average per plant. It's going to allow us to change uh, the batch name. So if your company has a specific way of tracking the names of these plants or these harvest groups, uh, this is a great time to edit as well. It does ask about plant waste and about batch waste. So it's going to be able to push metric events for each one of these items that is required by that state system. We're just going to go into finish. And that button there is going to be what pushes our metric event. One of the things that we also notice here is uh, it took us right to this inventory. So in the production page here, and I'll just highlight up across the top, we've got the groups and recipes that all array of customers are used to. And then we have the, the total inventory items here. So growing plants is going to be all of the plants that are in your metric database, uh, nice, easy way to filter out by type, cultivar, by room, which harvest group uh, they're specified for. So this is where you, know, you can manage it 
if you needed to, a little bit more similarly to a traditional system. Uh, that harvested inventory, after I harvested that plant, it took us right into here, and it uh, it showed us, it highlighted this ice cream sherbet wet flower weight. This is the one we just did. Uh, this harvested inventory is where you can turn wet flour into packages, where you can turn packages into other packages and basically manage your um, processing um, plant or processing package types and, and amounts. If we click on any of these, it gives us more information uh, and allows us options to adjust it, move it, split it, grade it. Um, and then we can also up upload lab results. So uh, this what a fantastic way to consolidate all the information from a, a harvest group, you know, from that plant life cycle. We are getting our sensor data, and we've got our environment data, our root zone data. We've got uh, the different durations. We've got all those metric events that happened, and, you know, we can upload our, our lab certs and then continue to process that, uh, that group of product. Yeah, and um, the... The difference between plant waste and batch waste, I think plant waste is stuff that maybe as you're harvesting, like just dropped on the floor that you still have to sweep up and, and log uh, as like this is just um, the plant waste. And the batch waste would be maybe, let's say uh, somebody, a uh, cultivator wants to just take the branches off and throw away the main stem. Um, that would be batch waste. Do I have that right or am I confused? Um, that sounds correct. So, yeah, I believe so. If, if you don't have uh, a specific plant to attribute that waste to, it would be bat, uh, batch waste. Okay. Okay. Um, let's see. Some of our other questions on here. Um, so, yeah, that, that number seven, um, Kish, I see you're highlighting is, um, uh, as I understand it, when you do plant touching tasks like pruning, um, it, uh, can... Well, I should just ask the question, Jason. Can can Arroya record the um, the amount of uh, of waste that was just taken out of a room, for example, or do you have to do that directly in metric? Yes, absolutely. So, uh, as far as plant waste go, it uh, we've got the option in there to do uh, like pruning wastes, any type of those um, cultivation during cultivation waste types in there. Uh, unfortunately, metric doesn't allow us to push an API to plant waste, so it's the only type of event in here where you still need to download a CSV and upload it to, to metric manually. Okay, actually, that's, that's what I'm remembering now. Okay, yes. Um, although um, when a plant dies, um, you, you can actually, in Arroyo, go in and, um, and uh, eliminate it. Is that true? Correct. Yeah. So that's going to be plant destruction. And that is definitely supported through, um, through our API. And that uh, is also going to be different than um, an adjusting a plant quantity, right? So mm -hmm. when we have plants that, uh, that need to be killed off in a room um, or aren't going to make it from our veg to our, our selected flower plants, we'll do that plant destruction. And that is uh, you know, a specific type of information pushed from our system into mm -hmm. metric, mm -hmm. and these plants uh, are, are no longer part of the system. And those tags are no longer active for those plants. Uh, I do kind of want to jump in kind of a little bit more on this, this question about remaining stems, leaves, etc. So we do recommend um, during this harvest practice that you stick with uh, a, a similar type of processing. So if you're going to hang this whole plant, then keep in mind that wet weight coming from those harvest groups does include stems and stuff. 
And so that'll be one of the things that uh, you want to keep in mind throughout the, the life cycle of your analytics. Uh, obviously, w- if you are weighing uh, dry product, so that processing goes from wet to dry, and you need to weigh it again after that dry process, if it's still on the on whole plant with those stems, then those um, transformations are going to include everything that is input into the system. Uh, if you do pre-harvest um, bucking where your plants necessarily aren't including the whole stem of the plant, um, and then, then your weight later uh, is also fully bucked, then just keep that in mind that the numbers that you are inputting are the ones that are being used for the analytics process. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, awesome. Um, I see one in here that I don't think we can help, uh, which is we tag our batches by hand using zip ties, and that takes a lot of time. How can it help us make the process more efficient and less manual? I don't know. Um, I, I, I would say we can't, but that's just... My take. Not necessarily Arroyo be helpful, but um, I have seen some people use um, merchandise tagging guns. Oh. Um, so it's just a, a loop tagger that's got very inexpensive, um, small amount of plastic. So I think something else was talking about weight in here. Mm-hmm. Um, those are on a clip. It's a little gun. You can put it around on the plant stem. Have your uh, have your uh, your tag there. Pull the um, the trigger fully, and it's going to clip that on there with a, a very low cost low waste solution that might save time just depending on how fast uh, people can zip tie versus that that piece of equipment yep yep um okay i think we already mentioned this uh is there a way to choose which data we sync with metric or does the platform send everything the platform does not send everything and i think that's really critical to say beforehand it's not this sort of um you know this uh, a forcing function that takes all the data, the data and immediately sends it to metric. Back on that page that you were showing us, Jason, if you choose to sync to metric, all, all your um, the activities that need to be synced to metric are queued up there. And then as a compliance manager, you go through and decide which ones um, should be synced and when, as well as you have the chance to review and modify the data if it's incorrect. Is that right? Correct. Um, and, you know, and if it's something that... Uh, that from urine doesn't need to be synced to metric or you synced it manually some other way, you can simply say mark is synced and it will no longer show up on your uh, compliance inbox list. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, let's see. We have this uh, this question. Our team works hard to streamline weekly harvests and efficiently manage our staff's time. How can Arroyo help ensure that metric integration won't hurt our, our SOPs or lengthen our work time? And then I see this next question as being separate. Can harvest procedures be customized for each facility? So the, first, the answer to the first question is for sure, and that, that's what we've built so far, is a, it, you know, just not having to touch the scale, not having to touch the computer, but just focus on your work and how to get as many plants harvested as possible. I think Philip and I have harvested in a demo. We did maybe 10 plants in, um, you know, 46 seconds or something like that, you know. I mean, it, and some of it has to do with how efficiently you can just bring the plants through. It's like, a, you know, the physical limitations to, to the space. But um, it can be d- done much faster if you're not typing in um, uh, plant tags, if you're not having to write down what the, the scale is reading. And, uh, and also, I mean, anytime when you're um, taking the data straight off the scale, as long as the scale reading is actually correct, you run a much lower risk that you might accidentally type something into a, a computer incorrectly. Um, 
So can harvest procedures be customized for facility? What are your thoughts, Jason? We have made a couple options um, during that harvest workflow that uh, allows people to better match their uh, processes. So uh, what we've talked about here today previously is the individual plant weights, uh, you know, being hung up on a scale or, or in, a, in a bin of that single plant. Our system also does support uh, multiple plant harvesting. So in, in areas that uh, legally allow, I, I always encourage people to do bulk harvesting. It's a, it's a little bit faster way to get that information in the system, uh, a little bit less labor intensive. So that's throwing you know, five, ten, however many plants fit in the type of uh, tote or bin that you're using. And uh, for the Aurora Harvest Workflow, you simply select that you are harvesting uh, multiple plants, and you can scan as many tags as you're going to weigh at once, and that will um, attribute all of those plants with the average weight of uh, the entire bin divided by each plant weight. Yeah, uh, lots of time savings there. Um, let's see. Um, can Aurora help with end-to-end traceability or even building surveillance? Hmm. I would say no <laughs> with building surveillance. Uh, all the cannabis grows that I've ever been in have more cameras than I've ever seen in any manufacturing plant. Um, so really, you know, surveillance is um, is well taken care of by other systems. One thing I can say, though, is that with correct tracking of inventory, you do know what happened to which, you know, what to a batch when and who did it. And so if if let's say that you're you look at a, um, a harvest batch or a package and it doesn't have the weight that you thought was supposed to be there. So somebody took something from that. The question is, um, you know, when was the last time that, that it became an inventory item in the system? So digitally, what does it say is supposed to be there? And then, um, you know, and then that would allow you to go and look at, at some, you know, surveillance uh, footage to see what actually did happen. Um, any other applications you can think of? Not necessarily a, a direct surveillance type, but uh, historically I've uh, you know, noticed anomalies in uh, the data traces uh, and not, not on the same terms of uh, maybe watching employees or, or, or tracking uh, people, but if I see a, a decrease in, in relative humidity uh, at a specific time, maybe last night, and uh, and we go in there, and the uh, humidifier is uh, is kaput. You know, maybe mm -hmm. the, the mm -hmm. line got clogged, maybe it's unplugged, etc. It's a, a nice way to know how long that has been impacting our room. Right. right. I think one of my most favorite examples is uh, when we came into the the greenhouse, or when I was looking at the data before we went into the greenhouse one morning, and uh, and I noticed something something was real off with our with our humidity and our temperature. In, in one part of the greenhouse, and uh, oddly enough, when we went in there, the uh, the fan the fan motor was laying on the floor, so it uh, it uh, wasn't bolted in uh, as well as it should have been, and it was probably one of my first realizations of how powerful reading data charts was, because this is something that hey, I can see something's wrong without ever even going into the room, mm -hmm. and then upon you know a little bit further investigation, in this case, it was extraordinarily obvious what uh what the culprit was yeah <laughs> yeah okay yeah and i i do i do think for keeping an eye on your operations as a whole that 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 data is is really crucial um so last question i see on our list uh, do you have a complete meter produce grow guide for commercial cultivators the answer is yes we do have what we call quick start guide 
it includes a lot of really useful information about getting going with growing in general. Um, it also um, it introduces people to uh, to the platform. Um, but I don't. Um, one thing that we are missing at this point is uh, this benchmark data or actual SOPs to say like do this, do this, do this. You know, a, a list of things and. One of the reasons that we don't have SOPs is that um, uh, uh, at this point um, is that we've struggled to make them broad enough that they apply to our entire customer group um, while making them specific enough that they can actually be helpful to our, our clients. Um, and the other thing with SOPs is that SOPs really need to be owned by the cultivator and the cultivator's team. So even if we say, hey, these are the SOPs, the cultivator has to take uh, responsibility for that and implement it into their operations and say, I own this now, or my team owns this. Um, so it is something that we're working on aside from the quick start guide and from working with our, our specialists on the Arroyo team. Um, we don't have like a stack of SOPs or um, staff training protocols outside of, of Aruzi using Arroyo that I'm aware of, Jason, is that is that true? That's, that's very correct. Um, you know, one of the things that we do work very closely with our clients on is making sure that they are taking full advantage of recipes. And as we've talked about historically, those recipes are the statement of intent and they should be built up by your, your head cultivator or your director of cultivation. And they should be um, as complete as possible to help everybody in the system. So when we talk about, you know, an, an SOP for, what should the humidity be at a specific time or what should the temperature be during a specific phase of this plant cycle? Building those target ranges in there is an easy way to communicate to everybody at your site that's using Arroyo what they're supposed to be. And then obviously that data return is a great way for them to understand and track how closely uh, they are matching that target. Uh, and even on a farther extreme, uh, those alert ranges, which I usually recommend people have some amount of dead band between their target range and their alert range. Yeah. Um, that alert range is going to tell, tell anyone who's subscribed to that notification that uh, the conditions of that room are, are quite a ways off. Right. Yep. And so those recipes are, are a great way to kind of describe your, your growing intent, your SOP, as far as what uh, tasks need to be done at what time, what uh, ranges those rooms should be operating in. And then when we jump into the analytics part of that harvest group, we can look at how closely we achieved that intent, right? So yep. those uh, target ranges uh, over the harvest group, it'll tell us, hey, we went two days outside of our humidity range. And we're like, well, that was when our humidifier was down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I really like how you um, make that connection uh, between recipes and, and SOPs because um, you know, that recipe can be an expression of what you expect to happen and then what you want to happen. Um, and then alerts, like if, if you put a, um, a target range in there, if you're looking on something like a kiosk, um, that iPad-like app that sits outside the room, it's going to tell you, you know, it's going to turn red if it's outside of a target range. But it may not alert you because, you know, you want to save the alerts for, for stuff that you really need to be texted about or get an email about or whatever. Um, is this, uh, a, a higher level of attention um, that needs to be given, and you don't want to have this alert fatigue. So, 
So setting up those ranges and those alerts and uh, the ranges for target uh, targets and um, alerts as well as the tasks in the system are great ways to um, to um, create an expectation. Like this is uh, this is what I expect to happen. Um, and things like pictures are great ways to, in some cases, say this is what did happen. This is how the plants look today. This this is how they looked after we did our pruning tasks, uh, for example. So Arroyo can help in that way, even though we don't have documents that we give you uh, verbatim and say, hey, these are your SOPs for growing. Because everybody's uh, systems and uh, procedures, personnel, um, facilities are going to be different um, and require different uh, different approaches. I think those are all the questions, um, Keisha. What did we miss? You got them all. What a great conversation. I actually really learned a ton. <laughs> so thank you, Scott and Jason, so much. And um, thank you to everybody who submitted questions. Uh, please continue to do that. Thank you also for everyone who joined us for this week's Office Hours. Um, we are we do this for you. This is your time. Any questions you have about Arroya, how it can be used to improve your cultivation production process, any topics you'd like covered in future office hour sessions, please do let us know uh, in the chat. Shoot us an email at support.arroya at metergroup.com or send us an, a DM on Instagram. We definitely want to hear from you. Um, we record every session and we'll be emailing everyone in attendance a link to the video from today's discussion. It'll also live on the Arroya YouTube channel. Like and subscribe while you're there. And if you find these conversations helpful, please uh, feel free to uh, forward it to anybody who might find it of interest as well. Thank you all again, and we'll look forward to seeing you all next week. Thanks, Keisha. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. That was great. Office Hours Live is brought to you by Arroya, the ultimate cultivation platform. Unlock the power of crop steering through our state-of-the-art sensors and software. Repeat successful runs and scale faster than ever before. Schedule a demo today at Arroyo.io.